Mr. Smith Talks Triathlon, episode 84, how to ride a bike for triathlon. Mr. Smith Talks Triathlon, practical triathlon advice for everyday athletes. My name is Gerard, I coach people for Ironman, Half Ironman and other endurance events. This podcast is a way of sharing important information with the team I coach, but anyone in the great wide world can listen in too. So if you like what you hear, please search for Mr. Smith's Iron Team to learn more about what we do. Uh, The last episode was about training nutrition, and this was a real eye-opener for a few people, some really good reminders. So if you haven't listened already, please do go and listen to that one, number 83, Training Nutrition. The key points I'll just quickly recap on. We want to deal with training nutrition separately from day-to-day nutrition. Two separate things. Think of them separately, deal with them separately. They've got different needs and requirements. Don't let them all blend into one. We want to fuel your training and your recovery for better performance in training, better recovery for life as well. And then separately from that, we want to focus on health and our day-to-day nutrition with mainly fruit and veggies and proteins and those kind of things to to build really good health foundation in the body. Okay, so with all of that in mind, don't diet in training. I really hammered that one home last time, but it's so important. Fuel your training, fuel your recovery, eat healthy outside of there. Okay, you can listen to that further if you want to. This week's discussion is how to ride a bike for triathlon. Now, if I've got you this far, that's good, because I've got to say, it doesn't sound like a stimulating topic or important, because obviously we all know how to ride a bike. But I'm going to give you a few foundational things to check, some reminders about key skills on the bike, and some triathlon-specific things to work on. So let's get into those. The, the, The very first part is we're going to forget about aero bars for a moment, just think if you are on a road bike. Okay, you have got three connection points between yourself and the bike. Number one, your hands. Your hands are sitting on top of handlebars somewhere. So we want, when you're in that position, we want your grip to be nice and relaxed. Okay, we don't hold on tight. There's no tension in those hands. Your fingers are nice and light. You could play the piano on your handlebars. And your elbows are slightly turned out, slightly bent, so that they act as as shock absorbers. They're not locked out because then just all the vibrations go up through your body. So that's connection point number one, hands. Connection point number two, your bum. You are sitting on the seat. Now, exactly where you sit on that seat will vary depending on you, the the saddle shape and size and and position and angle and all of these things. So if you've never really thought about it, is next time you're riding your bike, just scoot around on the the seat a bit. Go a bit forward, a bit back, somewhere in the middle, and just see if you are actually naturally sitting in the most comfortable position or not. And, and, And to get you really, really comfortable, don't be afraid of changing the tilt in your saddle. Okay? Yeah, when you're, you get a bike fit done, things are put into a good position, but there, there can be some very minor adjustments that you, are, you should make yourself to make it even more comfortable. When you're, when you're in a footing, fitting studio, the way you're sitting on a bike is not quite the same as when you're out on the road. So do 
tweak that, become aware of it, play with it. That is 100% fine. Now also, the connection point between your bum and the seat is something that I really, really struggled with for years, was when I was working hard, I found that I was almost just floating up, hovering a little bit above the seat, rather than staying well connected to it. And this variety of reasons and things that it did, but as I, as I realized this and worked harder on keeping my bum connected to the seat, I was able to just to put more power more consistently through the pedals. So just have a check of that as well. Are you well connected to that seat? You're not just shuffling around all the time. You're not hovering above it. You are actually sitting on it with some weight there. Okay, third connection point is your feet. Very first thing is we want to check that your feet are firmly supported in your shoes. Basically that your shoes are the right size, they fit comfortably, and you've got the right amount of tension. You don't want your foot slopping around inside the shoe. We want your foot um, putting the power into the shoe and into the pedal so there's nothing being lost there. There's no shock absorbers, there's no dampening effect from all of that. Um, you, remember, you can always adjust the tension on your shoes during a ride. Tighten them up, loosen them off, whatever you need. Do that as you need to during the ride. The other thing about the connection point of your feet is that now we're getting to triathlon specific, is that you want your cleats to be as far back in the shoe as they can. If you've never thought about it, go and get your shoes after this, have a look at them, and holding them upside down, looking at the cleats, are the cleats pulled as far back towards the back of the shoe as they can? If they're a long way forward, um, what it means is that you will end up using your calves more than you need to. And we all know that those calves are going to get a hammering when you're running. So if you can take any load off them, that is fabulous. Check the, where those cleats are positioned. Okay, so as I touched on before about the saddle angle, um, you, can, you, you should make small adjustments yourself to your bike to make it more comfortable. The, the very worst thing that will happen is you screw it up and you, you can't figure out how to get it back. No problem, you go back to your bike fitter and just get it adjusted again. But I can don't, don't just assume that your bike fitter has everything absolutely perfect. They will get the big things into the roughly the optimal position, but the little adjustments you absolutely should make yourself. Your saddle angle, your bar angle, those kind of things so that you are comfortable. That's got to be number one. Okay, so those are connection points. So now, general posture when you are sitting on the bike. Okay, We want to have a really firm, engaged core. I talk about this so much in swimming, but it's equally as important on the bike. Because if your core is not firm then and engaged, then chances are you're going to be having some upper swaying going on in your body. You're going to be throwing your body weight side to side with each pedal stroke or more like your body is reacting to the pedal stroke and kind of flopping from side to side. So firm up that core to keep your upper body really, really stable. So firm up your core, but relax everything else. Relax your hands on the bars, play the piano. Make sure up into your shoulders, those are relaxed. You're not, not tense through the shoulders, your neck, your face, your breathing. All of these things are going to be wasted energy. Firm core, everything else relaxed and comfortable. Okay, on to pedaling. Kind of related to that posture, if you've got a firm core, the body's not going to be swaying, 
all of that work that you're putting in to the pedals is coming from your hips down. It's driven by your hips. Your, your upper body's not swaying. It's not being thrown into each pedal stroke. You are holding your body firm and really just putting all of your energy into the legs and that pedal stroke. Pedal from the hips down. Still related to pedaling, I want to talk about the idea of dropping your heel. Now, I don't want to do this to get anyone to take it too far. If you have a look at, at, at if you search the subject on the internet, you'll see various videos of people when they are pedaling at the bottom of the pedal stroke, their toe is pointed down, their heel is lifted up. Okay, so if your heel is lifted up, you are engaging your calf muscle to do that. So again, your calf muscle will be working more than it needs to with every single pedal stroke. So this concept is called dropping your heel. You're not trying to push it down super low. You just want to get to the point where at the bottom of your pedal stroke, your foot is basically flat. Okay, it's going to release some tension in the calf. And then that means you can also use your glutes then to pull the pedal subtly backwards at the bottom of the pedal stroke. It's probably something that's yeah, difficult to really go into detail on a podcast, but do have a look, do, do search on the internet, dropping your heel, and ha have a look, get someone to check, video yourself how you are cycling, and just have a check that your heel, your 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 foot is coming down to basically a flat parallel with the ground position at the bottom of the pedal stroke. If it's if it's not, that's something to work on dropping your heel a bit lower and that'll help develop both your pedal stroke and take that load off the calves. Still on pedaling, fast pedaling skills. So there are a lot of people there out, out there I know who have a comfortable cadence range and it's not really that big, just about always in the same cadence unless there's a, uh, a hill that uh, forces you to do something different. But the wider your comfortable range of pedaling cadences, the, the greater your skill base, the, the better your pedal stroke will be. So I really believe in fast pedaling skills where you are changing to really easy gears and you try and spin your legs really quickly. Getting them up over 100 RPM, over 110. When you get into 120, that's starting to get plenty enough in terms of our skill level that we require for triathlon. But if if you're someone who always finds that your cadence is down quite low, this is a really important drill and skill to develop to help develop that cadence range. And I'll come back to the kind of touching on something similar in a minute around the cadence. And last thing on pedaling is when we are doing a triathlon, we want to have really consistent effort all the way through. We want to have consistent pressure on the pedals. So when you go out and ride, particularly uh, longer rides, we're not, not talking interval rides here, um, we're kind of doing short efforts at, at, at certain levels of effort, talking about a long ride, pressure on the pedals all the time when you're riding. Okay, a couple of exceptions when you're going around a corner or you have to stop at traffic lights, but otherwise consistent pedaling, just keep pedaling the whole time. If you develop the habit in training of stopping pedaling and just kind of coasting for a for a, a moment, a length of time, and you do that frequently, there's an energy cost to bringing you back up to speed when you start pedaling again, versus if you can just pedal consistently 
all day long far, far more efficient. So we want to practice that in training. I completely understand that when you're riding with others and in group training situations, that is really hard to do, but you can still practice it in there, in those situations. You can give yourself a bit of space and just really work hard on not kind of closing up the gap, having to freewheel and drop back, closing up the gap, just really, really smooth and consistent pedaling. Okay, that's what we were doing in, a, in an event. That's what we want to practice in training. Now, let's get into some differences about an aero position. It, most of that is very, very, is just the same. Okay, a, a few subtle differences. We've got, we want that firm core. We want the relaxed posture. We want your bum and feet connected really well to those connection points. But when you're in aero position, your elbows are resting on aero pads. It's not, not the weight on your hands. So we want that weight coming directly down onto your elbows, not, not your forearms. I think most bike fits that I've seen in recent years have been really good at this, getting the weight onto your elbow. But uh, some of them used to be kind of the aero pad was halfway up your forearm, and it's just not as stable a position. Just check that the weight is going through your elbows. And then your hands, they are resting on the aero bars. They're not grip tight, and they're not steering with the aero bars. Okay, you are just resting your hands there. So if you're not familiar with this, with riding in aero bars, then the, the, the question is, well, how do you steer? How do you turn? Think about this. If you were going at a really slow speed and you have to do a 180 degree turn, you need to sit up, slow down, and steer yourself around the corner because you're going slowly. But when you're moving at speed, that kind of steering motion of the handlebars really disrupts the rhythm of your bike and throws you off balance. So what you're actually doing to steer is with your weight. You are just subtly leaning your weight to one side, leans, leans the bike ever so slightly, and that's what takes you around a corner. Now, if you're newer to cycling, this is a really difficult thing to make yourself do because it's, you, you know, if you lean to the side, you're going to fall off your bike. But when you're moving at speed, you can compensate and you can balance for that. So if, if you're not familiar with that idea, really do go out and practice that. Well, I'm talking here, I'm not talking like um, just a corner at the end of the street where it's a 90 degree turn and you've got to check for traffic. I'm talking when you're out on the road and the road bends or you're going down a hill and there's kind of sweeping corners. You lean your bike, you lean your body into those. So yeah, if, you, if you're not familiar with that, again, look it up. Get, get familiar with the concept and go go practice it. Um, yeah, and so, so talking about steering with your with your weight, I really liken it when you're in aero bars as to like riding a bike with no hands. If you ever did that when you're a kid and you learnt that skill, to me that's what being in aero bars is like. You don't steer, you don't turn anything. You're just using your weight subtly one side or the other to uh, to make some changes in your direction. So yeah, really do do go practice, practice, practice if you're not familiar with that. So other skills for, uh, particularly around triathlon, we need to eat and drink on the bike on the go. In training, it's really easy just to, uh, if you're by yourself, pull over to the side of the road or when the group stops, have something to eat and drink. But if this is not a, if, if, if this is a skill you need to work on, 
then you should be doing it every single ride when you're out there, consciously forcing yourself to do it while you are riding along. And you need to start it now so that you've had weeks and weeks and weeks worth of practice by the time you get to your event. You've got so many opportunities every time you're outside riding your bike, even on the trainer. Just practice it there first of all if you're not familiar with it or if you're, if you're uncomfortable lifting a hand, just practice the motion on the indoor trainer before you get outside. Uh, another skill uh, is actually riding on bumpy roads. The, the Rotorua half has a real section of rough-as-guts road by the airport and, and a few other parts, and, and other events do too. So it's really common, once you hit bumpy stuff, is to tense up, like I talked about earlier, maybe you lift the bum off the seat a little bit, um, yeah, and, and you get out of your optimum cycling posture. So we want to make sure if you hit those those bumpy sections of road, that you keep the core firm. You relax the other bits so that you and, and, and keep your bum connected to the seat, keep your pedal strokes smooth and consistent. Okay, everything just yeah, you almost have to exaggerate that great posture, that growth, those great connection points to really make sure that you are doing this on those bumpy roads. And the other skill is from time to time you want to stand. Just to uh, just have a bit of a break from the aero position stand, maybe a stretch, maybe just a, a, a very slight movement around. Totally fine from time to time. Um, and, and in fact, important so that you don't seize up for the run. Just recognize if you're gonna be standing up and you're particularly going up a hill or, or even on the flat, then you need to change into a harder gear so that you've got enough resistance to, uh, to kind of support your body weight when you're standing up. So just remember that, if you're gonna stand, change into a harder gear, but don't stand too long, because standing burns a heap more energy. All of a sudden you're supporting your whole body weight and you're moving that round a lot more when you're standing up. So do it for, to have a break, a change of position where you need to, but try and avoid doing it for long periods of time. All right, covering a lot more here than I expected to. The cadence. Cadence is something kind of touched on earlier around the pedaling skills. If we look at different cycling disciplines, there are a huge range of cadences used. First of all, if we think about a track cyclist, these these people there, they might be hitting 150 RPM because they've got fixed gear bikes and the only way to make that bike go faster is to turn your legs over faster and faster. So they, they have really, really high cadence. Professional cyclists, uh, they'll often have a cadence of 100 plus because they have to be able to instantly react to an attack or, or launch an attack themselves. And if you've got a really low cadence, you just can't accelerate fast enough. So they've developed the ability to keep their cadence high and, and attack or respond in those situations where they need to. And they're also finding that they're incredibly fit cardiovascularly. Okay, So by keeping a higher cadence, they can exploit a little bit more of that cardiovascular system just to give them that extra, extra little edge. Now at the other extreme end of the scale, there are people who are doing the ultra long distance cycling events like Race Across America. And, and there's stories of uh, these people who are riding at quite low cadences, like down in the 60s even at times. And, and the reason being is that they are going 
such a long distance for such a long time, their power output is low, is that this, this appears to be a more efficient cycling level for them. But for us, in a triathlon, whether it be a, a standard distance, a half Ironman, an Ironman, our, the distance we're going, the power output that we, we have, the, the nature of how we ride just really consistent, we don't need those extremes of cadence when we are in an event. Okay, we, we don't, if we are trying to ride with 100 cadence or higher, then we're fatiguing our cardiovascular system that we're going to need for the run. And if we're riding with a cadence really low, like under 70, in the 60s, under 70s, then we're going to be fatiguing the leg muscles, which are also needed for the run. So somewhere in between is what's going to work best for most people. Somewhere between 75 and 90 RPM. So if your cadence is wildly outside of that range, then I'd say do a lot of those pedaling skills work to really get comfortable at a different, uh, different cadence level so that you can find that kind of balance point in between. You're not stressing the cardio system too much, you're not stressing the legs too much, using a bit of each, but still got plenty saved for the run. Wow, that, that actually covered a lot more ground than I meant to, and I know it was a bit of a whirlwind to or through. So if there was uh, some things in there that you hadn't really thought about before, consciously, or know that you're lacking in, please do go and Google them for more information. Do a bit of research and learn about it so that you can put them into practice for you. That some of those skill things, like the, the eating and the drinking, the constant pressure on the pedals, practice at every opportunity. Every ride is an opportunity to practice. So take those opportunities and make the most of them. And then for the event itself, everything I've been talking about here has been about developing things in training. But a podcast a bit further down the track, I'll come back to race strategy and uh, how you implement these in an event because there are some subtle things to, uh, to be aware of there as well. Okay, thanks everybody. Good luck.